and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. I've come out of retirement for this very special episode where we talk all things nostalgic, covering that golden decade of music, fashion and pop culture, the 1980s. Who is we, I hear you ask. I'm joined by, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, the artist Minute Taker, aka Ben, who has kindly agreed to appear alongside me after I was feeling somewhat bold and shamefully fanboyed him on Instagram. We had a chat, and here we are. Your album, Wolf Hours, has been the soundtrack to my 2022. Um, it caught my eye with the amazing artwork that oozes character and intrigue. As soon as I pressed play for the first time and I heard those melodic haunting melodies and synth pop arrangement, I was hooked. Minute Taker's ability to create something fresh and familiar at the same time is outstanding. The album really takes you on a journey and it's an instant masterpiece. If you haven't checked it out already, you definitely should. Ben, can I ask you what you were listening to when you started writing the album and who inspired you? Oh gosh! Well, well, firstly, thank you very much for the kind words. Um, I well, I, I've always listened to a lot of eighties synth pop. Like I, I some of my earliest um, memories of music are listening to Eurythmics. My parents used to have some of their tapes and CDs, and and uh, yes, yeah, so I've and then in the nineties when I was at a high school, I was obsessed with you know, all the 80s stuff, which was so uncool at the time, you know, everyone was listening to <laughs> it's Blur all... and Pulp and Oasis. So I, I was listening to, you know, like Pet Shop Boys and Erasure and Tina Turner and Madonna and, and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I've always loved it, really. Uh, but I guess um, in the last, like, my, my, my uh, earlier albums weren't as, um, as 80s orientated, really. They were uh, perhaps a bit more kind of um, alternative... Uh, kind of inspired by like Tori Amos and Bjork and and uh, people like that, Radiohead. So yeah, I just a few years ago, I just was really feeling the urge to kind of uh, kind of channel all of my um, my love of eighties synth pop into into the new songs. So so yeah, I did. And uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> timing was almost perfect, wasn't it? There's sort of this renaissance at the moment of nineteen eighties pop yeah. culture um, and Gen Z. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> but uh, we were there yeah. the first time round, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, yes, but yes, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. You, 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 you kind of listen to stuff that your parents were listening to. And in the 90s, early 2000s, it's not very cool. But now I think it would deem, be deemed as quite cool. Yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah, it was, like synth pop really was shameful for a while, you know, especially like, you know, the 80s the 80s stuff like it was it was like it was a bit like a dirty secret <laughs> for quite a few years there but then yeah i really feel like in, in the last kind of 10 years or so especially i think with the rise of the synth wave movement and and shows like stranger things and uh, you know it's just all become really quite cool again and you know even the quite kind of um you know all the really kind of cheesy almost almost kind of naff synth sounds and stuff you know it's all it's all fair game again now. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think uh, the part of the country that you live in as well, the north of England, obviously Manchester was a huge um, player in the 80s sort of synth pop scene. Um, and with yeah. big sort of, uh, I, I mean, later the uh, the big places like the Hesienda and stuff. But prior to that, you had this sort of underground movement going on in the north of England, um, which... Yeah 
was really cool. And obviously, I'm not a northerner, <laughs> so I can't lay claim to being um, in the shadow of that. But I guess you can. Uh, I also wanted to ask, the front cover, is that your dog? Yes, that's my dog, <laughs> I love it so much, honestly. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, she's, she, oh, it's brilliant. She just looks, she looks like such an 80s movie dog, you know? Like those, she's just like a scruffy old dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just, you could imagine like in Back to the Future or something. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. So, do you know, it's funny you say that, because as soon as I saw the cover, um, uh, it kind of, that's where it took me, to that, that scruffy, nostalgic 80s, generic dog that is cute that would be your sidekick if you were to ever go to go back to the future um who designed the cover um so it was uh it was done by this guy called the sunny five Um, i found him on instagram he um he was posting he does a lot of um kind of artwork uh inspired by stranger things and and um another and then um 80s movies as well and I really liked his style so I kind of had an image you know of what I wanted in my head in terms of the composition so I I just um did like a draft of like Mm. um of me and and me and the dog in the woods and and I actually it was he kind of adapted it from photos the photos were taken by a photographer I work with a lot called Mark Stone so we did I took the dog into the studio and we did like hundreds of photos to try and get a a decent picture of me and the dog um, and make it look like we were walking, but it turned out to be impossible. So I had to stitch together about four different photos, four or five different photos. I was going to say, does your dog kind of, your dog's very unaware that that, um, they're famous now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, uh, I just put it all together and sent it to this guy, the 25 and he, basically made it look good (laughs) Uh, and it's amazing and they say never judge a book by its cover or an album by its cover but let's be honest we all do (laughs) and uh for, for, for me that's 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 how I was led to the album I think I was uh I was heavily involved in Stranger Things at the moment and um feeling very nostalgic and then this uh this popped up this image of you and your dog in the woods uh, and then I was just like, yes, I'll, uh, I'll have a go at that. And that's it. It became the soundtrack to Ollie, Ollie's 2022. So the rest is history. So it obviously worked. <laughs> so, um, yes. At least for one person. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, that leads me nicely onto the structure of the show. So we were, we were talking about this uh, off air uh, a little bit. Uh, and obviously pop culture movies and film uh movies films and uh music played a huge part in the 1980s so what i really want to know is and this is really hard when i asked you i started thinking about mine as well um but there's so many great films out there but what i want to know is what are your top five 80s movies that you love uh it is hard but i think i would have to go i think my top two would be Aliens and and the Terminator, the first one. Uh, I think, yeah, they're they're probably my two favourites. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've watched them. I saw them when I was, you know, very young, and I've just watched them like every couple of years or so since. Um, but I also love, I love um, actually my favourite film when I was a kid was The Neverending Story, because we used to, me and my friends used to watch it, and um, and I was absolutely terrified <laughs> of the. Um, 
of the uh, of Gamork, like the wolf thing that was in the den, and I used to have to go out the room when he came on because I was too scared. <laughs> um, but and I, I I I watch it every ten years or so, and it just takes me right back to being a kid. So I, I watched it uh, a few weeks ago, actually. It's quite so, yeah, dangerous, actually, one. isn't it? Watching stuff that you loved as a child, because sometimes it it can go yeah. one of two ways, can't it? So you can you can watch it and be like, yes, that is gold. That is absolutely what I remember it being. Or you can be like. Oh no! I've just ruined my childhood, basically yeah. by rewatching this as an adult. So, um, you're probably going to judge me really hard. I've never actually seen the Neverending Story ever. Oh well, you must watch it. Although it's, I was, I was thinking as you were saying that, like, uh, if you watch it for the first time now, like, I don't know, because I, I think as well when you watch things, yes, you can be disappointed when you watch things as an adult that you enjoyed as a kid. But also, I think you're more forgiving of things, you know, because. Because the nos- the nostalgia is so strong, like you might be like, oh, those effects look a bit naff, but you know, you still love it. But so, if you were to watch it now, it would be interesting to to know what you think of it. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting because also I didn't see Star Wars until very recently. So there, obviously, there's a massive hype, and I know that's the seventies and not yeah. the eighties, but uh, obviously yeah. a massive hype around seventies pop culture. And I watched it, and although. I thought it was good and I thought it was, do you know what I mean? It was, it was fine. Uh, I didn't have that nostalgic connection with it. So I, yeah. I wasn't one of those people that was um, going to defend it to the death. Um, yeah. Funny enough, I'm the same actually, because I, for some reason I never watched the Star Wars films when I was a kid. They kind of passed me by. So I think I saw the first one when I was like in my twenties and I was a bit like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is sometimes the, the, the monster becomes bigger than the actual like original product doesn't it i guess yeah, and then yeah. um yeah it can get uh passed down in folklore i guess um but no yeah. i will i will definitely add the never ending story yeah only the first list. one though the sequels are terrible <laughs> the first one's good the sequels are terrible so there are some films where the sequels i would argue are better now you've already you've already yes. mentioned so this is controversial you've already mentioned the terminator Aliens. no i was going to oh, I, yeah, Terminator I, Two is mm. is arguably better than I think. Like I love Terminator One and Two. I think I find it hard to choose because I absolutely love both of them. And the same with Alien and Aliens. I think, I think, and then of course it just went downhill for both franchises with all of the sequels. <laughs> Again, victim uh, uh, things become victims of their own success, don't they? So um, yeah. if it becomes a cash cow, then they're just gonna. I mean, look at the Halloweens. How many? How many of there are them? I don't know. Oh like, God, I know. Just and they, a lot. They, and they. They get to that point where they actually have to start basically writing off some of the films and saying, oh, well, we've decided that that didn't actually happen because we want to bring back Jamie It Lee was Curtis's all character. a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's just awful. But I yeah. guess... If and they just done that with the... They did that with the new Terminator film, didn't they? Because they killed off um, Linda Hamilton's character in, like, in the third one and then they were like, no, she's here again. <laughs> she's alive and well. <laughs> I sort of gave up after one and two. Um, I was just, Again, I'm jumping to the 90s now, but um, uh, I was the same with Home Alone. After the second one, I wasn't interested. Done. Yeah, I mean, there's I think, about five I don't think of them seen anymore. Yeah, yeah there's I, quite although a lot. I don't think Macaulay Culkin's in any beyond the second one, is he? No, no. Um, yeah, there was the, it was like a late nineties, early two thousand one, which was just awful. <laughs> it's um, yeah, they again, really just, they just kicked the ass out of the franchise. But it's that nostalgic thing. I remember when I first went to New York, the first thing I did was go to the Plaza Hotel. Because I was like, oh, it's Home Alone. And um, yeah. a, a very strange thing to do. And do you know what annoyed me more than anything is it was on, 
in the film, it looks like it's on an angle that's facing uh, Central Park, but it's not. It's slightly off, and it really irritated me. I feel like it uh, it ruined the film. It's misleading. That's what it is. <laughs> um, anyhow, again, jump into the 90s. Um, so that's four. You've named four. Aliens, The Terminator. No, oh, you've no, named three. three. Sorry, you've named three. Yeah. Never-ending story. I'd yeah. have, um, I'll have The Shining, which was just about 80s because it was 1980, I think. Uh, I absolutely love that movie. Um, I love it too. I'm a horror buff, so I'm, yeah, I'm I love a lot you. of the retro horror. I find a lot of modern horror just too extreme. I actually don't watch a lot of modern horror. Mm. I think I like the, the uh, that's when we get older. I think you horror. get less um, less brave, don't you? <laughs> you get older. Yeah, and it just it just gets it, you know. I think as time goes on, you know, they just they have to get more and more extreme, you know, to shock people and. Sometimes you just watch things now and you're like, this is literally just watching people being tortured. Like, <laughs> there is no enjoyment in this film. Yeah, so there, obviously there's different sort of genres of horror films. So, so, so The Shining is, is more of a psychological, uh, yes. long, it's a yeah. slow burn film, isn't it? So it's, yeah. um, and I think it's that's so atmospheric. The, that's it. That's the key with it. Yeah. It just drags it out and it makes you feel uncomfortable uh, yes. as a horror film. But I, uh, it's great. It's absolutely great. Actually, my friend went to uh, Comic Con or something similar recently, and she uh, there's a photo of her with the twins from The Shining. And that was only like last week, I believe. So um, oh, right. they're still around, but they don't look as scary <laughs> as uh, twin no. adults. <laughs> yeah, they must um, be like. Are they like in their fifties now or something? Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. If that was, I mean, it came out in 1980. It must have been filmed in the yeah. 70s. Yeah, so. it still feels like there is, it is strange in a way, kind of classing it as one of my favorite 80s films because I think it does feel very 70s, it doesn't feel 80s. But I suppose, yeah, as you say, it would have been filmed in the late 70s. So, uh, 70s horror films have got that very awkward uh, vibe that, that vibe that makes you feel uncomfortable, a lot of long pauses, yeah. and a lot of that atmospheric stuff. Uh, that's kind of yeah. the scene, and that's obviously crossed over. To this film when it was actually released, but yeah, it would have been, it would have been filmed in the seventies. But no, that's uh, one of my favourite films, and um, I mean Jack Nicholson is amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's so creepy, and um, and I can't remember her name who plays um, his wife. She's brilliant as well. She's, oh, just, she's uh, great. She just looks so she? alarmed, <laughs> like all the time. I mean, she's just always got a cigarette in her hand, doesn't she? With like a long yeah. ash. Just hanging off the end of it, um, yeah. It's uh, it's brilliant. She actually had uh, an awful life, I believe. I don't think she had a very nice life after that. Um, yeah, I think I've heard this. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think she did much much after the show. I mean, in terms of acting. No, I mean maybe it scared her half to death. No, I don't know. Yeah, maybe she I, maybe she was actually as scared as she looked during the <laughs> filming of it. Like, just constantly that wasn't acting like. <laughs> She does look like genuinely fearing for her life in most scenes in that film. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, uh, she's brilliant. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is brilliant. Uh, the 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 sequel, not so good. That Doctor, yeah, I watched whatever that it's a couple of years ago. I think it's just so difficult, isn't it? Especially to follow such a classic up. Um, 
and obviously they were both written by Stephen King based on the books. But well, I think the first one was a bit more, certainly quite loosely based on the book. I know mm. I think Stephen King had a bit of a problem with the finished film, didn't he? Because because um, they strayed so far from the story. But I'm not sure because I haven't read the book of the of the set of the sequel, so I don't uh-huh. know how closely they stuck to it. I think it but, must um, be quite hard if you're uh, a writer and then somebody comes to you and wants to produce a film because obviously some things don't translate from book to screen well yeah, yeah and everyone's got their yeah. own sort of uh sort of idea and stuff like i could read a book and you could read the same book but i could get something completely different out of it to what you do yeah so and, it also, must be and also hard. i think you just you have to lose so much of the content just because i think like if you if you act if you acted out a book scene for scene like probably take like eight or nine hours or something wouldn't it so if you've only got like two hours you've got to basically condense it all down into a two-hour movie you have to be quite ruthless i suppose and lose quite a lot of the story yeah, which is why some don't work, do they? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sometimes they work better as like a series, don't they? Like. Yeah, although I don't like anything that goes on for too long. I need I need a, yeah. a, a start, a middle, and an end. Yeah, That's a good, what I need. yeah, a good, uh, good pace. Um, although The Shining is a very long film, <laughs> so, uh, from what I can is remember, I can't actually remember. I'm pretty sure it's quite long, or it feels long. Maybe it just makes you fit. Maybe that's the idea. It just makes yeah. you feel like you're... I really want to watch it again now. You're tortured. I watch it tonight. Well, uh, well there, there you go. You can, I'm sure you can get it on one of the streaming platforms. Um, oh, that's the beauty these days as well, isn't it? You can just uh, instantly have something on your telly. You wouldn't have to go to that 1980s yeah. franchise of Blockbuster. And, oh, uh, God. well, yeah, I used to... I, I remember just spending so much, so long, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, just, like, hanging around video shops. And, you know, you'd really want to see a film, and sometimes, you know, you'd, it would be it would be out, and you'd be waiting for the person to bring it back. <laughs> they'd have to bring it back by, like, 6 o'clock or something, and you'd be sat there looking at your, looking at your watch screen. Come on, why aren't they bringing the film Literally back? <laughs> loitering outside blockbusters. Um, there, there, there was something. Uh, there was a magic in that, wasn't there? I think when when you used to go to yeah. uh, blockbusters or any sort of video rental store, that yes. Uh, whereas now it's so, like, like what we watch is so disposable. So if you don't like something, you yeah. just turn it off and put something else on. But you'd yeah. committed to that Friday night yes. film, and you were going to yeah. watch it and enjoy it. And I suppose this is pre uh, mobile phones as well so you've got no yeah. distraction there um yeah i think there's there's something looking back i think it's something quite kind of magical about video shops it was it was uh they just uh, kind of sum up the time so much and and uh yeah i used to i used to spend I spend a lot of time just kind of choosing what movies i was going to watch and, and i always because i was because I was, I was tall you see so i could always get all the 18 movies even when i was like 13 <laughs> <laughs> so all your friends who sent you the in there Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I used to get all the Stephen King films and stuff, and the woman would be like, "I just have to ask, you are eighteen, aren't you?" And I'd be like, "Yes, of course." I, I, defi- <laughs> I definitely am eighteen. Do you know what? If so, if yeah. I go into a shop now and no one IDs me, I get really offended. Whereas it used to be the other <laughs> way round. I'd be like, yeah. "Oh, I can't believe they're IDing me," but now I'm like, "Please ID me, <laughs> please." I don't, think I, I don't think I've been ID'd since I was about twelve. <laughs> well. <laughs> It's um, well. I didn't think you looked your age, so uh, not that I'm not that I'm a cashier or anything at Blockbusters. <laughs> but if I was, you'd be fine. Um, okay, so that's four. Yeah, number five. Um, oh yeah, so I think for my fifth, I would choose Big. Oh, um, classic the Tom Hanks film. So yeah, good. and I remember, and I still remember like I think. 
I, I don't know how old I would... I can't remember how old I would have been when it came out on video, but I think uh, maybe about five. I remember we, we'd gone, I think, to, me and some friends, my mum had driven us to the cinema to see something, but we couldn't get in. So we ended up going to the video shop, and we got big out... For something, you know, when these random things just sort of stick in your head. Mm. So, um, so I just remember coming back and we watched Big at my friend's house, and I just loved it. I've always loved it. That um, it just, I think it's just, uh, I love that idea, you know, of uh, of of how it kind of um, highlights the differences between children and adults, and the way you see the world as a child versus the way you see the world as an adult. And um, yeah, I just think it's a lovely movie. Oh, it's great. And what I thought. Um it portrayed really well is like when you're younger, you think you're so grown up and you, you know everything and you can, you can kind of take on the world and, uh, oh, parents always telling you what to do and stuff. But there's that scene, isn't there, where he's in the apartment, uh, he's rented the apartment and stuff and, and he's, he's a tall guy. Uh, but actually there's loads of fighting and bagging and adult, like adult stuff going on in the apartment. And he just sort of like yeah. quivers as this like grown yeah. man. And you're just like, Oh, that's so true. Isn't it? Like when you, you just think you can, you know, everything when you're young. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you know, not a lot, <laughs> I would say, but um, yeah, I, I think it takes on like the subject of like adulthood and coming of age and stuff really well. For sure. Yeah, that's another one I want to watch again now. <laughs> but you're going to have a long night if you're going to get through The Shining and Big. Um, you might as well just add the never-ending story, Aliens, and The Terminator to that one. Uh, yeah. And actually, Big, um, they resisted doing a sequel, didn't they? Which I often think is the best way. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tom Hanks was at his A-game at this point, wasn't he? There was, yeah. a, there was, a, there was yeah. a string of uh, movies... Uh, yeah, like the, the Burbs and uh, oh, such. And this, a, that's was a lot. That is a brilliant film as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom Hanks. Uh, he's he stood the test of time, hasn't he? I think he's done quite well. There's not much yeah, he's been in that I strong, don't like. I don't think. No, I'm sure there is, yeah. but I can't think of anything. I can't think of any of his movies. I don't like. I haven't seen all of them, but yeah, he's, he does tend to uh, pick a good one. I think pick a good mm-hmm. script. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, whilst we're on the subject of films, do you want to hear mine? Yes, go for it. Fine. <laughs> so, I'm going to say them anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, Ghostbusters, obviously, classic. Oh, yeah, classic. Um, yes. uh, the thing is, I love number one and two, so... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I get them mixed up. I think because I've always probably just watched them one after the other whenever I've watched them, so I can never... Is Sigourney Weaver in the second one? Yes. Yeah. I just get that. I, I just uh, I need to binge watch both of them again. <laughs> See, I'm saying yes, and now I'm questioning myself. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure she is, because um, it's yeah. the one with the painting that is the second one. Um, right, and then which is the one with the marshmallow guy? Is that's that the second f- one when they're on top of the building and everything. No, is that the first one? No, I don't know. Now I'm confused. Anyway, the merge. The merge of Ghostbusters is definitely up there. Um, I just remember I, yeah. uh, we had like the toy car and stuff. Like my brother's a little bit older than me, so he um, he obviously got the, all the all the toys and stuff. Like, and then I got the hand me downs. Um, so yeah, we used to have the the car, and then we had the fire station as well, like uh, the full on like toy fire station, and then Slimer. Like you put slime down like the chimney and stuff, and it would like ooze out of everywhere. So um, the, the nostalgia of the film comes with the nostalgia of this toy as well, I think. Um, but yeah, it's a great film. 
my friend had that fire station and you could yeah put the slime in like the grid thing at the top it was dead cool yeah and it kind of like oozed down it was really messy i used to love that <laughs> oh, it was great it was great i used to have oh well actually this takes me nicely onto onto my next one again i'm doing this all via toys and stuff as well but beetlejuice <laughs> was uh yes uh, was yeah, obviously a, a classic one. um i am uh, a self-confessed emo um, and Tim, Bur- <laughs> Tim Burton films are my uh, staple. I, I don't remember ever not liking them. So from Beetlejuice to yeah. Batman to Nightmare Before Christmas. And then, I mean, he lost me in the last few years, but he's made it up with Wednesday recently um, on Netflix, oh, yes, yeah. which is amazing. But um, we used to have this Beetlejuice car as well. And like you could change his head on it. You know how his head, like you get the shrunken head oh, yeah, and the big yeah. head. You could change his head on it as well. So, oh, cool. um, oh, it was great. But I was always into um, films that were a bit weird, <laughs> a bit out there. Uh, yeah, and, quirky. Uh, yeah, quirky. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, I love Catherine O'Hara. Like she's just brilliant yeah, as the mum. Brilliant, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, I absolutely adore her. I mean, uh, in Home Alone, I adored her as well. But Beetlejuice uh, is definitely up there for me. Um, this next one, I think we have a shared love of David Bowie, don't we? Um, yes. So the the labyrinth. La- the labyrinth. It had to be in there. <laughs> it had to be in there, yeah. didn't it? Um, yeah. uh, whilst most of my friends were terrified of the Goblin King, there was me sort of dance, <laughs> dancing around with... Um, Pretending I've got long hair, and I think I used to put my mum's tights on my head and dance to like dance, <laughs> dance, magic dance, like yeah. prancing around, and um, and that's when she knew I was a massive gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean the labyrinth, just even the the like animatronics and stuff in that film were just amazing. I actually, I heard recently that it, it wasn't much of a hit at the time. I think it really, it's one of those ones that kind of gained momentum as it, as it went on, you know, as it was replayed on TV and things like that. I think, um, I think people didn't quite know what to make of it at the time, you know, and then I think, but then, I think The Wizard of Oz was the same, you know, 1939. Mm, a like, slow burner. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a massive hit, but then kind of over time, it just like more and more people, you know, fall in love with it and, and it just becomes like a classic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I found that with a lot of David Bowie films in general. Like, he was in a lot of films, but his his movie career, yeah. minus The Labyrinth, was never as um, successful as his music career, ever. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, he was kind of, yeah. I think The Man Who Fell to Earth was, was maybe quite big, and um, and Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence... Oh, actually, yeah, I watched was, that, that recently. I... Yeah, that was good. That's when he went yeah, all blonde, really blonde and tanned, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, it was in the early 80s, wasn't it, before we did um, Let's Dance album. Um, and then I actually watched, the, I think it was The Hunger, The Hunger the other day, which was from around that time as well, mm. which I'd never seen before. Uh, but it's a bit, it was a bit hard going, to be honest. <laughs> but um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, David Bowie was one of those people who didn't particularly uh, go there to make the hit films or the hit music and stuff. He always just did what he felt like doing at the oh, time, yeah. didn't yeah. he? Um, he did, and he did, I think around that time, he did The Elephant Man in a theatre as well, didn't he? So yeah. He quite a few, quite a good length of time playing The Elephant Man. Um, so yeah, I, he, I, saw he some, yeah. I saw some clips of that did recently. Did whatever he wanted. 
He just, he obviously just, you know, did whatever the hell he wanted or why not, you know. Oh, um, absolutely. He, was, if he just Dave, followed his... Uh, if you're David Bowie, Followed his artistic like. <laughs> cravings. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, Stand By Me is up there oh, yeah. for me. Just That's because I, I think what the 80s did very well... Is, and I don't know if it's because later, whilst I was watching them, I was coming of age too. But they did this sort of string of all these coming of age films. And uh, I don't know, there's something really magical about that time in people's lives, isn't there? And not yeah. only not only your own coming of age, but kind of watching what other people are going through and stuff as well. Obviously, I wasn't brought yeah. up in 1950s suburb like uh, sorry uh, rural america do you know what i mean but the, that that yeah. connection of like a group of uh boys and that growing up and sort of finding themselves uh really hit home with me i always remember that scene with the leeches you know when, <laughs> when river phoenix got all the leeches on his yeah because yeah. it always freaks me out whenever i go like swimming outside anywhere i was like oh my god i'm gonna get covered in leeches like in stand by me <laughs> I, I I suppose there is a potential of that happening. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Are there leeches in the UK waters? There must be. Is there? I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know. I mean, I don't particularly go wild swimming. Um, uh, I live on the sea. Like, you can see the sea from my house. Like, the coast is oh, amazing. outside. Um, but I, I very much uh, like to stand on land looking at the sea. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't like being on it or in it. Um, very we've much. got um, we've got a few quite a few reservoirs around here in the hills, and we've in recent years we've kind of taken to going swimming only in the safe ones. You know, some of them are safe um, mm. for swimming in, and uh, it is really you know it's really lovely to to swim outside. It's something just yeah, it's something just really relaxing about being in the, the great outdoors underwater. <laughs> I, I, no, no, definitely, definitely, and I think if it's on your doorstep, then absolutely you need to embrace that. But don't get leeches on you. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Unless it's for medical reasons, because uh, they yeah. still use leeches to this day for blood clots. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and this one, we discussed this off air, but um, Return to Oz. Oh yes, yeah, I, I watched that because I hadn't seen that probably since I was a teenager, and then I, I watched it a couple of months ago over Christmas time, actually. So not a couple, not even that long ago, mm. and. Um, yeah, because I'd, forgot, I'd forgotten how dark it is. Like, for a kid's film, it's really quite dark. It is it? so dark. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, I would argue it's better than the first one. Um, In a way, yeah, I think it is. Um, obviously, it's, it, it, it's uh, not a musical like the first one, uh, so it's a slightly different genre. But, um, but, yeah, it's a really good film. It's that dystopia sort of feel that I like about it. It's just like... I, I, and I, I kind of know that was the first one as well. Like the Emerald City had crumbled and collapsed and stuff. But this one felt yeah. really, um, it almost felt like it was mirroring real life. Because in the 1980s, like now, there were lots of, uh, there was a cost of living uh, issue going on. There was bin men on strike. There was teachers on strike. People weren't getting paid well. And also yeah. uh, when all of that stuff starts happening, uh, there's a visual thing that starts happening as well, like a visual decline in um, urban areas. And I think this film reflected that quite well. Maybe I'm looking into it too mm, deep. Yeah. but um, that's, a good, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's... Um, 
uh, I, I think it's one of the first things to go, isn't it? When uh, the cleanliness of a town <laughs> or a city, yeah. when um, when there's lack of funds. So, uh, yeah. or, or, all the, I mean, all the bins were like piled up, weren't they? Because like the you know the bin men were on strike and everyone was on strike. It's a bit like now, to be honest. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I know it's slightly different because I'm in Scotland now, but um, there was a massive uh, bin strike here recently, just before Christmas. And um, there was just rubbish everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Um, uh, but yeah, it just, um, it very much gave me that dystopia thing. And how quickly things can fall apart yeah. um, if not managed correctly. So again, maybe I'm looking into that too much because I know it's a fictional uh, film, but uh, people have to get their ideas from somewhere, don't they? So maybe they were just borrowing ideas from the modern world yeah so it's uh an interesting observation the um the wheelers were terrifying as well absolutely terrifying yeah, they were pretty scary yeah and the, wo- the woman that could change her head like yeah oh, what was i mean although that would be quite good like... wouldn't it if you were having like a really bad day and you just whack a yeah whack a whack a new head on without bags under your eyes it would be amazing but those uh, yeah those wheelers were quite menacing weren't they like I can imagine like kids going to going to watch that film and being so freaked out. <laughs> yeah, it's almost yeah. I, I I would actually love to do like a an experiment to put loads of uh, sort of teenagers or, or younger adults in front of that film now and just to see what they make of it. If they do sort of pick it up as being really badly put together, or actually is that is that what makes it scary? Because actually there was not many special effects. It was very much real stuff, uh, like real prosthetics and stuff. So I wondered if yeah, they would I find that scary. I think that was a big shift in, in the eighties, wasn't it? Well, towards maybe towards the end of the eighties, you know, more, more technology started coming in. I don't, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it all, but like you look at like even the difference between Aliens and Alien Three. I think Alien Three was what about ninety one, ninety two, um, and you know like the aliens in Aliens are you know all models and they but they have that realness you know. But then in Alien Three, it's much more kind of CGI kind of looking. You know, it looks a bit kind of computerized and it kind of which doesn't make it quite as scary. No, I think sometimes when you're watching these films, uh, like in The Shining, the, the like if they allude to something rather than actually showing you much, I feel yes. I find that scarier than actually oh here's a monster oh, yeah. or here's a demon or whatever because oh yeah it's, absolutely it's, yeah. it's placing that fear in your own mind. I think, I think it's showing it's showing just the right amount, um, just to kind of uh, to suggest. Your worst nightmares. A hundred percent. Although I do sit here and watch uh, horror films on my own. I live, I live alone. And um, I quite often, if I've had a stressful day, I sit and watch a horror film, which is very bizarre. I know. But um, it, wor- <laughs> it works. I don't tend to get scared, which is, uh, which is good. Well, you've desensitised yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I work in psychiatric so units. I've seen it all in real life. Um, yeah, so, yeah, nothing fictional can, can horrify me. So... Um, <laughs> yes, but slightly, uh, slightly off topic. Um, we're going to go back on topic now for music, being as you're a musician. When you're in the cold, I'll be close. Don't be afraid that I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
85 album. What song? Sorry. Album. 80s yeah. albums. Yeah. Um, let me think. Um, I think, well, my number one has... You see, number one of my all-time favourite albums has got to be The Dreaming slash Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Can I have two, can I have two as my number one? <laughs> you can do whatever you like. There are no rules. I just think those two albums are, are just incredible. Um, I don't think any, any albums have ever inspired me more than those two albums. And I just really struggle to pick between them because they're both very different, but... Both just genius in their own way. Oh, amazing! And uh, I, I mean, I must admit that, that uh, I, I was introduced to Kate Bush via covers of her songs, and then I went back and started to listen to her own work. So I used to be massively into Placebo, and Placebo did a cover. Um, oh yeah, they did a good cover of Running Up the Hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe you've done a cover as well, haven't you? Yeah, yes. yeah, I think everybody's done a cover of that one. <laughs> well, I have not because I am tone deaf, so you will never hear <laughs> you will never hear an Ollie Green special of doing uh, a Kate Bush number. But uh, it is an amazing song, uh, and also that the Hounds of Love, uh, the Future Heads, which I used to be massively into uh, when the whole indie oh, pop yeah, that scene was, a good cover as well. was going on, because uh, everyone's like, "This is a Kate Bush song." I was like, "No, it's not." <laughs> It's it's really uh, uh, original. It wasn't original. It was a cover. Um, yeah, but it but it worked so well in their style. I think um, I think you know, and that's I think that's the important thing with covers, isn't it? You gotta you gotta kind of present present it almost like you've written it yourself because it sounds like something you you know. It sounds so much your style, but it's but it's still the original song. I think I think if you can do that, then. yeah. And that's, I, that's really cool. It, it it worked, but but for me, and then I went, I kind of went back. I mean, everyone knows, um, like, is it Wuthering Heights? I'm saying this now. Everyone yeah, knows that. Yeah. Yes, um, I've I've got this image in my head of her in flouncy uh, attire, uh, prancing around a field. Is that the correct um, terminology? Yeah. Well, well, she did. Yeah, I remember she did two videos for that for Wuthering Heights. She did that one in the red dress in the field. Uh, which I think was a bit more, um, bit, bit, you know, they decided though when it was a massive hit, they were going to spend a bit more money. Mm. And then they did the second video, I think, which was the, the one where she's um, kind of like dancing with a black background and there's lots of kind of um, visual effects and stuff. Yeah. As she kind of flails her arms about. I, <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. And I know that um, her and David Bowie did mime. Um, that was a big thing. Yes. Uh, and there was a crossover there at one point. I think they did stuff together at some point. Maybe didn't release it, but on stage, at least, they definitely did some oh, I don't sort think I've of, seen of them mime. Them. I know they were both... Um, I think they both had training from Lindsay Kemp, who was... Oh, maybe that's artist. the connection. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's the connection. Um, I don't know whether they actually ever... If they did ever perform together, I'd love to see it. Oh, that would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Absolutely amazing. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah... It's um, two sort of big artists. I mean, maybe they were at different points in their career at that point. The emerge wouldn't have worked, but um, yeah, I suppose yeah. I mean, Kate Bush must be laughing now because obviously, because of Stranger Things, uh, her oh, song, yeah. she must be making so much money. <laughs> off of yeah, that. there was there was a there was a figure going round at the time. It was like a million a week or or more or something because she got the roll the rights back to her catalog a little while ago. Um, so she actually would have got all of the all of the money from from that, and she's the sole songwriter as well. So, yeah, I'm sure um, I'm sure she did pretty well out of it, and rightly so because it's the best song ever. <laughs> I mean, it is 
an amazing song, uh, and she is an amazing artist, and actually, I would say a very underrated artist as well. Um, I think, uh, obviously, you have the diehard fans and, and the people that will sort of defend her to the end, but commercially, yeah. I don't think she uh, probably did as well as she should have, because she is no. brilliant. Um, I think she's quite... Um... You know, she's quite alternative, and mm-hmm. you know, she's there's always something quite unusual about her her songs. You know, which doesn't necessarily you know make for you know the biggest hits. Um, but you know, the because even running up that hill at the time, you know, in the UK, I think got to number three. Like it was only when it came back, you know, last year, it actually got to number one for the first time. So, and and her only other number one is running as Wuthering Heights, her first first song. So, and to think of all that, all of those other amazing songs, you know that. You know, most of which didn't even, you know, hit the top twenty. Yeah, the top 20, you, I so. mean, uh, yeah. Would you say? I mean, obviously, the, the the way that charts and stuff work now are very different. It's not like you used to yeah, uh, yeah. used to sit in front of the top of the pops on a. I think it used to be a Friday, and then they changed it to a Sunday, I believe. Uh, and you'd sit there waiting for who was getting to number one. It was kind of the show. Um, yeah, but now yeah. obviously I seem to remember it's... being on a Thursday when I was younger. Or maybe I think it, it was on a Thursday. Or maybe something. it was a Thursday. I know it, it did change day. I remember it changing. Yeah. Um, but by the time they got rid of it, mm, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that whole music television generation is gone now, isn't it? Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I put a music uh, channel on just to sit and watch the videos. But I remember, I remember doing it way back when, but, but now recently yeah. I, I haven't, um, I mean, obviously if I'm into an artist, then I'll go and look up specifically their work. But, um, yeah, things have changed. I've, got, I've never actually had, um, I've never actually had sky, but my, my, um, my, my nan used to have it when I was a kid and I used to go up there with my, vi- I'd take a videotape and, you know, I'd watch MTV and VH1 and every time, you know, a video came on of a of a, an artist I like. I'd record it so I could watch them all back later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do do I dare ask who who were you recording? Who was your who stands out to you? Oh, well, I remember recording like Eurythmics and Pet Shop Boys, and you know, it was it was all the eighties. I adore Pet Shop Boys, and I remember getting ripped at school for um, oh, yeah. like absolutely ripped and uh I, I i'm slightly younger than you and stuff so uh, if you were saying it was uncool when you were growing up it was certainly uncool when i <laughs> i got there um but yeah i remember listening to um like it's a sin and go west and stuff and um yeah just getting absolute ripped for it yeah uh, but well, now everyone's well, like oh this is so were... good they were still having hits in the 90s. Like they, had, they had big hits in the 90s. But yeah, but still, it still wasn't really cool, you know, amongst teenagers, perhaps. But, um, but yeah, no. I, I love the 90s because you could... I used to get... Because everything... Because synth pop had kind of gone out of fashion by then, so much of it, you could, you could just pick it up so cheap. So I used to always get my mum to run me to, like, car boot sales <laughs> on, like, 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning and get all the records. The thing like, is, they'd be worth a fortune like, now. Yeah, because they've all they've all like um, gone up a lot now. But it used to be, you know, you just pay like fifty p or something then, and oh. and I'd, I'd be constantly just like loitering around the you know the record shops and just going going through everything and picking up all of the like twelve inch singles and stuff so I could get all the b sides and and extended mixes and things. You were certainly ahead of your time, Gen Z. <laughs> well, I was behind. You see, I think I was born just a little bit too late. So I arrived at the eighties in like the early nineties. 
So I was like, oh, where's everyone gone? I'm late to the party. <laughs> I'm always late to the party, even with uh, TV and, and, and music and stuff. Uh, I, I'm always like 10 years behind everyone else. I'm like, oh, have you heard this? And they're like, yes, we heard it 10 years ago <laughs> when it first came out. Although, saying that, I was probably first to the party with your album. So that makes a change for me. It, it, it's hard hey. for a new artist to break through into my um Apple Music because I'm stuck in 2008. I think I've not progressed <laughs> since that point. So to get a new album in is um is an achievement um for anybody. So um, oh well, I'm honoured. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that you, you could put that on your next poster. Ollie Green said. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Kate Bush, amazing. Uh, who else are we listening to? Oh yes. Uh, oh God, there's just so many '80s albums that I love. Um, I would have to. Oh, you think? You see, I, I've said Eurythmics a few times, and there's 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 several Eurythmics albums that I absolutely love, and it depends what mood I'm in. So I'm really struggling to pick one. I'll tell you what I'm going to go with, and it was um, actually "Don't You Want Me" by the Human League was number one when I was born, and I do think that that's Dare, a good tune. The, the, I do think that Dare, the album that was from, is one of the best synth-pop albums of all time. I absolutely love it. Um, so I'm going to go with Dare by The Human League. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So that was number one when you were born. That's. Um, I think mine was Michael Jackson. Yeah, Don't You Want Me was. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, was it, was it like around the time? Of, was it Bad Era? Michael yeah. Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and my number one album when I was born was The Visitors by ABBA. So it's no wonder that I'm so obsessed with synth pop because it's all, it was all just like it was in infused into me at birth. <laughs> in your blood. Were your parents massively into music as well? Is that where you kind of got it from? Or is this a off your own bend back? Uh, well, they, I wouldn't say massively into music, but yeah, we certainly listened to a lot of music when I was, I was younger and, 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 you know, and I still do, obviously. But um, yeah, I remember them having... they. I mean, my mum's a big Bob Dylan fan, so they liked a lot of the kind of 60s and 70s stuff, but then yeah. they did, they, they really liked Eurythmics, and they had, you know, it's, CDs are very new, you know, in the 80s, you know, at that point, so we only had about, like, 15 CDs, I think, so one of them was Revenge by Eurythmics, which I absolutely love, so I've, I've probably heard that more that album more times than any other album in my life, and I still love it, and, um, and yeah, there was um, Rain Dancing by Alison Moyet, and, and uh, there was Jean-Michel, Jean-Michel Jarre, um, uh, best of so all of these ones yeah I just remember listening to when I was a kid and just like just loving you know and just like and still when I hear you know when I when I hear a lot of the 80s synth pop it is just it sounds cliche to say but it's, there's just something magical about it you know like it's just like to me like 80s synth pop is just magic <laughs> it can it can certainly take you back to a time can't it for sure yeah um so the, I was going to say something then. I've lost it. Human League, Dare. So what else was on that album? Was that like the hits album? Or was that just... Well, yeah, they had, there was like four big hits off it. Like Sound of the Crowd was the first single off it. Because it was the first album they released after they had the big lineup change. Because they had... Yeah, because, um, you know, the, the first two albums were, were quite a different lineup. And the two girls joined. Um, and then they... And they were basically Phil and the two girls and, and uh, a few of us. But yeah... Um, so it was, yeah, Sound of the Crowd, I think, was the first single from the album, and that was, I think that was a top ten hit. I think that was a pretty big hit. And um, they had Open Your Heart, and um, what's the other one? Um, just gone out of my head. 
Was that with yeah, Don't, I think don't, don't you, you Want Me, me Baby, or whatever it's called? Don't You, don't want, you me. want Me was, a, I think, the, the, it was a last single, um, and they didn't, apparently none of the band wanted to release it, because I think they just thought it was maybe just a bit too obvious or something. But that, um, was, that was the hit, wasn't it? And that's still yeah, the song and they that really, gets... Apparently the, they were really dead, dead against it, I think. Um, and I think the record label basically insisted because, you know, it's got hit written all over it, hasn't it? So, oh, it's a um, wedding song as well. It's 100% a wedding song. Um, it's got to be one of the most, you know, played songs of the 80s. Oh, like it's, it's got to be on any 80s compilation. So there's this, no, there's this 80s club in Glasgow called... Um, oh, is it Club, club Tropicana? I think. And... Um, uh, at the limited time that I've been there recently, because I'm getting too old to go out into these clubs, but uh, it's always on. It's always on, and it always still gets people to the dance floor. Always. Yeah, I'm still. It's really bugging me what that other single is. I know it so well, but it's just gone completely out of my head. It's fine. It will still be there. Oh, well. <laughs> it will still yeah. be there. So, um, right, that's three, isn't it? We've done. Um, no, that's two. Yes. Three. Well, I did. Yeah, I did. Well, I did my two Kate Bush ones at number one. So whether that counts as one or no, two, that can be one. Two. That's fine. That can yes. be one. <laughs> um, uh, and and, oh, done... right. So I just remembered. I think I was absolutely obsessed with Tina Turner when I was growing up. I still love it. And but the um, but especially the Private Dancer and the Break Every Rule. Can I have those two as one as well? <laughs> you can. Yes. So we get to Private Dancer and Break Every Rule because those two albums I just absolutely love. So what would I know off of those albums? So many times. So basically, so Private Dancer was their big comeback album. So it had What's Love Got to Do with It and Let's Stay Together and um, and Better Be Good to Me. Um, it's Is this after her partner was just really horrible to her and she come back? Yeah. So she left Ike like I think it was about seventy six. She left Ike and then she basically had these kind of wilderness years where she was like playing Vegas and you know wasn't really struggling to uh, get anywhere really. I think she was like in her late thirties by that point and mm. then and then she got um, she she met her manager Roger Davis in the early eighties I think and then he basically started connecting her with um, with producers and things like she worked with the guys from Heaven 17 who just left who just left the first um the the first uh, human league you know they were the ones who went off to form Heaven 17 and then yeah so they were they she worked with them on a few tracks and uh and um yeah she basically they made and then she was um her, her manager really wanted her to do what's love got to do with it uh, and uh she hated the song and didn't want to do it and <laughs> so is the way isn't it there's a theme here yeah, yeah. So she, she, uh, he insisted, and you know, she, and she, so she kind of went along with it and made it her own, and and obviously it was an absolute smash hit. Um, so yeah, so that, and then break break every rule was the follow up to that one, uh, which was I think about eighty six, um, which I I actually probably prefer overall. I just think it's such a wonderful album. It's yeah, it's got the the big single off it was typical male, which you might know, uh, but there was a bunch of other singles. I think she released about six or seven of them. Um, and it's got a song called Girls, written by David Bowie, which is absolutely amazing. Of course. Um, it's, just, uh, it's just a wonderful album. And it's got that, I think a lot of those albums around like the, the kind of 86, around that time, had that kind of tropical, kind of beachy, you know, just... Um, just Every, everything's vibe. good, like, yeah. Yeah, like I think like that that album and like True Blue by Madonna and uh, True Colors by Cindy Lauper. There's just there's just quite a few albums around that time. They just got such a kind of joyful kind of 
tropical feel. I don't know why it's tropical in my head, but it is. No, I know what you're saying. Because, do you know what? As soon as you said tropical, there was a few images that came to my head. Obviously, George Michael popped into my head. And then also, um, uh, there's a Madonna video. Now, I don't know what it is, but she's... She's got her sunglasses on. So I think she's got a leather jacket on and she's sort of like prancing around. I've said prancing twice in this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. It's uh, good 80s vibes. Yeah. For sure. Um, so you mentioned Madonna briefly there. Uh, did you manage yeah. to get Madonna tickets? No, I did. Um, I, I was in the queue for ages and then I, by the time I got through, they were like, the only ones I could get were like 350 quid, which I couldn't really afford. So I thought, well, I'll pay up to 150, but I think, I don't, I don't know if anyone got any that cheap. So maybe, maybe I'll get some resale tickets. Um, or maybe somebody listening will, will be like, come with me. <laughs> well, they might do. They might do. Um, strange... yeah, I, to, I saw her a few years ago on the, uh, the Rebel Heart tour, so I have seen her. Um, but I would love to see this one. Um, it's the greatest hits tour, thinking. isn't it, this one? Yeah, I think I think you know fans have wanted you know for a long time to have the greatest hits tour. I think, uh, but but you know even if I can't go though, she always does really good concert videos. You know after the gigs, mm-hmm. uh, they was really well um, put together. So at least can, uh, we'll be able to watch that in a couple of years. Oh, definitely. There'll be um, I'm sure there'll be merchandise flying out everywhere. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. uh, you'll be able to purchase something along the line. Um, and anyone uh, wants to take Ben to. Uh, the the show, then he'll be more than. We help. should start a petition. Let, let's start a petition. <laughs> Take, do you know what? When I when I first started emailing you and you started uh, replying as Ben, I was just like, no, because <laughs> obviously I'd seen <laughs> I'd seen your name as Minute Taker, and I was like, no, that's not his yeah. name. <laughs> his name is Minute Taker. <laughs> now, forever. yeah, some people just some people call me Minute, which I always find a bit strange. <laughs> Where did that come from? I mean, obviously, I know the sentiment behind it. Obviously, people are listening to your music yeah. and. You're you're stealing their time nicely, but you're stealing their time. Um, <laughs> well, I used to work as a minute taker because I used to have like before I was doing music full time. I I had lots of temp jobs. I, I did so many jobs over the years, and and at the time I was trying to come up with a name, I was actually working as a minute taker uh, in meetings uh, for the council. Oh um, God! So I was I was like I was really racking my brain to think of what I could call myself, you know, because every single thing you think of has already been taken. Um, so. Then I was like, actually, Minute Take, I quite like that. So like, why did you not want to go by your real name? Well, I did when I released my first album in 2008, uh, which was called Too Busy Framing. Um, but I don't know, I just didn't really like using my own name. And I was sick of like having to spell out McGarvey to people. And people were like, McCarthy or McGarvey. So is that an and Irish like, or a Scottish name? I think it's a bit of both. Like my family my um my family is well i am of irish descent my grandparents were irish okay um but someone told me that actually the um c is scottish the m with the little c i think you can have you can have it both ways there can be mc or mac it doesn't matter because there's a lot of um uh, a lot of irish moved into scotland and then eventually moved down into england so there's that whole migration of of people. Anyway, I've gone completely off topic, but um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> here we are. It's, well, my, it's, a, it's, a his, it's, it's my podcast. It's a history podcast, so it, 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 um, it fits in to talk about. Yeah, it's my podcast. I can do what I like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, our, we've still got more albums to go. I think. Oh, yes, I really, even though I've picked five, I've still got two left because I sneakily <laughs> combined. 
can do what you like. <laughs> do what you like. <laughs> um, oh, there's just so many good 80s albums. Um, I might pick... Oh... I might pick Revenge by the Arrhythmics. But can, oh, I'm going to have Revenge and Be Yourself Tonight as another joint one. <laughs> and, and Sweet Dreams and Savage. <laughs> okay, I'm taking the piss now. So. No, okay, I'm going to have... But I will, have, I will definitely have Revenge and Be Yourself Tonight as a double. Right, so uh, what, what songs two, will I know from that? So, so Revenge has got a Thorn, uh, thorn in My Side yes, and The Miracle of Love, When Tomorrow Comes, Missionary Man. Uh, be Yourself Tonight has There Must Be an Angel Playing With My Heart. We're going to lie to you. Tune. Um, yeah, uh, it's all right. Babies coming back, and sisters are doing it for themselves. So they all like they were full of like full of hits. Mm. Uh, it was their kind of mid eighties stadium rock I period. Mean, Annie Lennox some... is just cool, isn't she? She's just the epitome of oh, amazing. cool. Yeah, um, yeah even she's, now she's brilliant. She's just cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and it was so amazing to see them perform again at the um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, they did they did three songs. Oh, yes, um, I did see. It was so good. Um, yeah. I think everyone's really hoping they'll go on tour, but I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it will, but hopefully they'll do some more. You know, just it must like be quite daunting if you were uh, a big act way back when, because obviously, yeah, you want to put on a good show for the fans, but then you also don't want. You don't want to sort of be stuck and tarnished with that is that is or that nostalgic that was my life because you've probably done a lot more since then. Yeah, um, and well, I know a lot of. Has, has a, a, sorry, go on. She had a very successful solo career as well. After, yeah, after you with me. So, um, uh, Medusa is an album that I used to adore. Annie Lennox. Oh yeah, that's um, a, yeah, really good covers album. Yeah, I just adored it. Um, and do you know, I actually with Annie Lennox as well. I got obviously I knew what like Sweet Dreams, obviously massive hit. It was in pretty much yeah. every film ever. Um, yeah, uh, but you I actually, hear it a lot, don't you? Ah, oh, like, and people go wild for it again. This this club Tropicana uh, place in Glasgow. Uh, people go mad for it. I don't spend my life there, by the way. But <laughs> it's um, I was I was reading recently. I think that you know. Um, actually Sweet Dreams was because it was like the fourth single from the album I think the record label didn't really want to put it out because they were like well it hasn't really got a chorus you know it's kind of um, which is interesting because it just seems like it's so hard to imagine them thinking that because it's so catchy you know that that synth riff and and, you know just and the the vocal um, part it's just you know it's just so infectious again I I think hindsight's a beautiful thing isn't it yeah yeah but it kind of has, in fact, quite a lot of their songs have that kind of structure where they don't necessarily have a chorus. In fact, it kind of reminds me of some of the structures of like the of the older songs, like in in like the jazz standards that Billie Holiday used to sing in the thirties oh, and forties. Yeah. They'd they'd kind of have a the catchiest bit of the song would kind of be the verse. They'd kind of have like a, a really quite memorable catchy verse, and then they'd have a bit of a bridge, and then it'd go back into the verse. So there wasn't necessarily a chorus, but still, they're just very very. Um, good, solid songs, you know. Oh, 100%. And I, I can guarantee you could probably sing the first two words of that song and the whole crowd or anyone would be able to recite the whole thing from yes. start to finish yeah. easily. Yeah. And that's when you know that you've made it. With that um, Sweet Dreams, again, obviously I knew I knew of the song, but I kind of, again, I, I fell into it and I went back backwards because I was uh, massively into like heavy metal and like rock and stuff and Marilyn Manson did a cover of Sweet Dreams 
uh, on one of his first albums. And that's kind of how I really yeah. got into it and then went back. Oh, yeah, I liked his cover. I heard it. Yeah, it's, it was cool. Um, I mean, Marilyn Manson's in a lot of trouble at the moment, so I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't, oh, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't endorse him too much. But um, yeah, that was my route back to uh, back to the Eurythmics. So yeah, you can. And I think that's a, that's a sign of a really good song as well when it when it kind of finds its way into completely different genres and still works really well. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, and it brings a new oh, audience. I, I just remembered. As well. um, I just remembered the name of that other Human League single. It was Love Action. <laughs> oh, okay. I love your love action. <laughs> I mean, I don't know it, but yeah, cool. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You'll know it if you hear it properly. Go I probably, listen to it after the show. You'll I be like, oh, yeah, it's that one. I know. You just need to do a cover of it, and then maybe it will get yeah. through to my 2023 playlist. Who knows? I'm feeling, um, <laughs> I'm feeling open to suggestions these days. Um, okay. I don't know how many more you've got. One more? Is that... Uh, well, I know. I've I probably got... I've got one more if we go by my rules. <laughs> you've probably got minus ten now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, right. Let's think. Um, I actually did... I think I did send you a list in advance, didn't I? A couple you did, I've got ago. it sitting in front of me, so I know exactly what you're going to say. How are you? Yeah. So you know, you know what's the other one I said? Can you Bruce tell Springsteen, <laughs> born in the USA. Oh yeah, born in the USA. I absolutely love that album. Oh, I mean, it's a tune. Yeah. Even though you were not it's born in the USA, or you might have been. I don't know. Were you? No, no. I was born in the UK. <laughs> born quite have the same in the UK. It. <laughs> no, it doesn't work, does but, it? I mean, Dan- Dancing in the Dark has got to be one of the best songs ever. I just, I, I don't know how anyone can resist dancing to that song. It's in a bit like dark. Into the Groove by Madonna. Like as soon as as soon as they start playing it, like you just have to start dancing. It's impossible not to. Mm, yeah, definitely. The uh the hips start to move, don't they? No, it's a tune. It's an absolute tune. Um Bruce Springsteen is someone that uh, again I came to later. Again, I think via film. Yeah. Like obviously Born in the USA was in a lot of movies. Um Yeah. And I'm on Fire finds its way into a lot of things as well, which is another one of my favourites off that album. Yeah, um, a lot of people have covered it as well. It's become it's become one of those kind of staples. You know, just lots of people are drawn to it. I think kind of like you know Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Like it's just so many people cover it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good uh, again. I would say uh, born maybe not born in the USA, but Dancing in the Dark is definitely a wedding song as well. I would say. Oh yeah, um, totally. Yeah. I love a good wedding. I've not been in ages. All my friends got married. That's the problem. <laughs> I've got to wait for them to get divorced now, so I can. Yeah, second round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, or, I could get married myself, some, but um, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. I was just going to say, there's something. Yeah, just I just uh, something I love about Bruce's '80s albums from Born Born in the USA onwards, and he had Tunnel of Love, and actually, um, then he had. Um, Human Touch, which I think was released in the early 90s, even though it was recorded in the 80s, it was kind of delayed. But uh, those three albums, they're just, they're just so good. They're just like, just like the, 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 um, the, the arrangements and the, the really kind of uh, 80, the 80s synths kind of in the background. And it's just, uh, yeah, they're just, um, it's just a really lovely sound. Uh, I, again, I mean, I'm sure this list could be endless i could see you getting excited and another one and another one (laughs) and another album um have you got your record collection in front of you i don't think we've got time to Uh, go no actually it's 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 downstairs i've I've got my cds uh here 
But I've kind of. Uh, do you I've still have your CDs? I got rid of all of mine, yeah. uh, which is terrible, isn't well, it? I play them in the car. Yeah, I play them. Have in you the got car. a CD player um, in your car? Yeah, because <sighs> my car's like. I always buy like these old bangers from like that I was at least twelve years old by the time you know I come to them. So um, they tend to last me a couple of years, and I just get another one. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So my car's like two thousand and seven, I think. So yeah, it's got a CD player. Was it? Oh, I don't think I ever had a CD player because I went from having like an older car having having a cassette player, and then I I got a newer car that just had like a USB. So I missed out. I never had a CD player, like ever. <laughs> I actually had a tape a tape player until about ten years ago in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you used to plug the tape in and then put like your CD Walkman like into the. Oh yeah, you had like a little wire thing, and then it used it. to just jump constantly. Yeah, it's just awful. The kids, the yeah. kids will never know. They'll never know the harder that. Yeah, they were problematic. It's... Those uh, those CD, CD those discmans. I had loads of different discmans over the years. They were they rubbish. Long, but... The um, the Walkmans <laughs> were so much better. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? When you were uh, uh, selling all your merch, I I brought a cassette of, of your album because oh, I like yeah. because I like the uh, the green uh, cassette. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. And um, but I've not had a cassette player since like nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> so it literally just sits there on my side, um, on top of a David Bowie Hours CD that I've got. So you're next to David Bowie. On my uh, oh, very good. On my side, yeah, I am. Um, I hadn't. That was the first one I'd released on cassette. Um, but because I thought, well, I'll just see if anyone's interested because they do seem to be making a bit of a comeback. And and I thought it would look so cool on cassette to have like a little coloured cassette and things. So oh, it's brilliant. So, yeah, it I, was, I yeah. think what we've lost with albums as well now is I remember going to the, the to the shop and either buying a record or an album or even a, a cassette, and you'd you'd flick through the artwork and like read the lyrics yeah. and you'd get really into like yeah. really involved and um and now you kind of don't have that do you because everything's just so instant there's well, not this, this magic why... of having that physical item i think this is why people have really turned back to vinyl in you know in recent years like i think you know it because it it kind of went so far down that the downloads and streaming route that people are really wanting to have something kind of tangible again and they want to something that they can possess and you know have the artwork and the lyrics and and um i love like I, i've gone through phases of collecting vinyl you know throughout my life like um and uh, I, I'm, in, I'm in a big vinyl collecting phase again um over recent in the last couple of years so uh, yeah yeah i love it it's but uh, it just sounds so and it sounds so hipster doesn't it but <laughs> it's <Yeah>. um <laughs> it, you get the vinyl you put it on the crackling it's not perfect do you know what i mean it's slightly yeah. uh, especially if you've bought some some album that's quite old and it's warped slightly yeah uh, and there's I just like cleaning them as well because I get them from like the you know sometimes from the charity shops and stuff and mm. then I've got this like cleaning solution and you know it's just there's something about just the um the the involvement in it all you know having to clean it and then you know having to like put it onto the player and put the needle on and I think there's just I think there's just something really nice about having that kind of particip- participation in it or something oh no I agree and it, um I think in this fast this fast world that we're living in of disposable things if you put that if you take time to put that album on the deck then you're you're going to listen to it and you're going to enjoy it do you know what i mean and albums yes people don't tend to listen to albums from like the beginning to the end anymore they'll find a song that they like and they'll put it in a playlist so actually yeah, I think that's right which is a real shame because mm-hmm. i think there's and i love 
and one of the other things I love about having the records is having having side one and side two, you know, because I think, you know, because they would be designed that way, you know, to to kind of be two separate sides and to and I think uh, and I think that kind of became lost a bit in the 90s and noughties you know because albums weren't being made for vinyl anymore they were being made for CD um, so structurally they were a little bit different but I really um, I really love having that kind of side one and side two as slightly different experiences oh definitely definitely and it's been able to get lost in an album as well yeah um, uh, and that, do you know there's very few albums that do that to me uh and it kind of takes you on a journey and you feel like like, like once you're in it you're in it (laughs) do you know what i mean like till the bitter end um uh i i think that's why i got on board with your uh latest album so recently is because i uh, i think i was going on a long journey i think i was driving down to um leeds from scotland and i just put it on and I listened to it from start to finish, and then it looped. And I listened to it again. I was like, "Oh yeah, this has really got me in the field." So I think, like, <laughs> I, I think oh, for 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 me, I mean, I literally was going on a journey to Leeds, but it also took me on a <laughs> on a, a, a on a mer- metaphorical journey as well. And also yeah, the the, oh, the interludes as well. I'm a massive fan of the interlude. The Killers do it on an album yeah. as well, and I love it. Like it just sort of ties everything together quite nicely. Um, yeah, I, I like using. I think I've, 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 I've used them on a lot of my albums. It's really nice to just kind of um, to, to kind of bridge different songs and and just to kind of uh, yeah. It just it's just I like to kind of hide them in the tracks. So I didn't when I put this one on Spotify. I actually decided to put the interludes as separate tracks just because it gets a bit messy that when things are added to playlists and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just like if a track's added, then there's an interlude at the end of the track. But on the actual CD and record and and, and the downloads that people buy from from me directly, that they're, they're they're kind of just embedded in the songs, like hidden, which I quite like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's it's a bridge, isn't it? That's what I see it as. Yeah. It's sort of this. You've just uh, you've just been through this journey with a song, and then you kind of need a little bit of a breather and a bridge to the next yeah. level. Because um, uh, I, I mean, uh, there's obviously there's a there's a there's a there's a synth theme going through your album, definitely for me. But uh, a lot yeah. of the tracks, some of them are very different. Some of them are very high beat. Some of them are quite low key. So actually having that interlude is quite nice. It's, um, yeah, it, it bridges the gap Yeah, for me okay. anyway. Um, so there you go, I'm fanboying again. <laughs> <laughs> now I keep lo- it coming. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so I've not, now that you've had your 20 million albums, I will reel off mine really quickly. Uh, go on. <laughs> so uh, David Bowie's Scary Monsters. Oh god! Yeah. I always forget that's the eighties because again, only like the just, shining, it, it, only it just. Feels, it feels really late seventies more than eighties, but yeah, that is a that's a fantastic, especially side side A of the album is just like off the scale, amazing. So I mean, it's just uh, so when I was looking at this and uh, we were having this conversation, I was like, yeah, David Bowie easily, but then I realised actually most of the albums that I adore are in the seventies. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, Although Scary Monsters uh, uh, crept in there in the 1980s. It was probably recorded. Maybe it was recorded in the late 70s. Maybe it was recorded in 79. I don't oh, know easily. What, I mean, I there's obviously um, 
there's uh, a, a Japanese influence there. And I think he was in Japan in the 70s, uh, as well as Berlin. I think he went to Berlin and then yeah. to Japan. So um, this is at the tail end of Berlin, beginning of Japan. So um, uh, it's just an amazing album. And, you know, with David Bowie as well, I find because there is so much material and his albums are so different and uh, again that uh, it, it takes you on a journey but they're just wild like they just don't yeah. stick to the i, I mean who would uh, uh, we're jumping back to the 70s now but who would release an album that is mainly melody like low in the height of their career do you know what i mean like he's oh, obviously yeah. doing and, very and the label... well... Yeah, the sorry, label didn't want to put it out. Like I think he said when he sent it to the label, they were like, "No, do some do another Young Americans," you know, because it was like obviously like half the album was instrumental tracks, like, oh, and they were like, "What? What the hell is this?" <laughs> no, but he was like, "No, this is the album. Put it out." And apparently, they didn't really market it, which is you know a real shame because actually I think it's it's perhaps my favorite Bowie album. I perhaps mean, that or Outside, I can never quite decide. Don't listen to it if you're feeling low. <laughs> It's the key. Well actually, um, well, actually, some of I think the actual um, uh, quite a lot of the tracks are actually quite uplifting. I think, like um, certainly, the, the, you know, the, a few of the ones, especially towards the end, the um, the instrumental ones are quite um, are quite kind of a, you know could could be considered depressing. I suppose, but I actually find it quite an uplifting album. <laughs> I think it depends what mood you're in, doesn't it? I guess. Um, yeah. But I mean, again, talking of album artwork and stuff, that is just amazing. Uh, yeah, I think, it's anyway. Still, still from the movie, isn't it? From um, Man Who Fell to Earth. It's I mean, to that. the point I've actually got it tattooed on my arm. So, uh, yeah, I have, I have David Bowie low tattooed on my arm. So there we go. Amazing. It's fe- forever there now. Although I'm covered in freckles, so it doesn't really look as good as it probably should. I come from a long line of gingers, you see. <laughs> so <laughs> it's how I didn't well, get the, ginger um... hair, I don't know, but... Well, the the background of the of the low album is kind of gingery looking, isn't it? It's like orangey. Maybe, uh, maybe you could work true, <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that next time somebody asks me. But um, <laughs> David Bowie, Scary Monsters, and Super Creeps. Uh, I, I had to get Queen in there just because Freddie Mercury was just so iconic uh, vocally as well as personality wise. Oh as well. yeah. So yeah. I had to get. I had to get them in there. Um, although I do feel like Queen should have stopped when Freddie was no longer with us. I feel like they could have gone off and done uh, maybe a different project uh, instead of hanging yeah. on that name. But who am I to say? Which, which, which Queen album did you pick? So, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, a Kind of Magic, which was oh, 1986. I don't... I don't know their albums that well. Obviously, I know all of the um, I know of all of the hits and stuff. I don't know the individual albums, but uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, I'll listen to it. Yeah. Oh no, you should uh, absolutely. And again, uh, Queen would release these things that we would perceive to be hits now, but a lot of their album tracks are are bonkers, like absolutely over <laughs> overproduced, over vocalized, uh, but it works. Um, yeah. So well, you could uh, say that about Bohemian Rhapsody, couldn't you? I mean, it's completely bonkers. Like, it oh, really, you know, yeah. by all accounts, should should never have been a hit, but it's it's become one of the most famous hit pop songs ever. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, Queen. I mean, there's loads of Queen albums that I like before and after that as well. But um, the '80s, yeah, 
for me. It's when Freddie like, Freddie changed his look as well, didn't he? He went for, for the uh, the Tash sort of came in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of that um, San, San Francisco gay kind of look. Yes, yes. Um, although when I went to San Francisco, no one looked like that. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Not anymore. But well, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the Tash has made a comeback. We're going to talk about the Tash <laughs> later because I want to talk about your music videos at some point. So oh, yeah. we, we will talk about the strong Tash game. Um, uh, Adam and the Ants, Prince Charming, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just because, I mean, he was bonkers as well. And, like, the new romantic phase as well was just insane. Um, <laughs> it's just, let's all dress up uh, like old highwaymen from the 1700s and dance <laughs> around. Um, and it worked. So, um I've got a funny story about Adam and the ants. Not not him, okay. not Adam. But I was uh, I was working for a radio station in Leeds, and we did this eighties summer ball. And um, Go West were there, so they were performing their hits and stuff. And um, I was dressed up as Adam and the ants uh, to sort of introduce everybody and all this kind of stuff. And um, Go West dragged me on stage and made me sing Stand stand and Deliver in this massive hall oh. in front of uh, a few thousand people, which was fun. <laughs> so that's, uh, <laughs> yes, I was Adam and the Ant for one night. I felt like, um, uh, what was that programme? Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be, what was that? Oh, Stars in Their Eyes. That's it, I felt yeah. like that, definitely. Um, Amazing. Oh, it was great. Uh, so my next one was Susie and the Banshees, uh, Kaleidoscope, oh, yeah. which, do you know, it's really a bit, uh, Susie and the Banshees, uh, there was a lot of songs that I liked from different albums, so I kind of just picked this one because it had a few that I liked on there. But um, I think Susie Sue was definitely uh, a character, and she was definitely uh, before her time, I would say. yeah. Yeah, she was a real um, pioneer in that kind of um, post post punk kind of phase, wasn't she? And again, I know, like, I know the the you know the hits, but I don't know the individual albums. So, is that the one with Hong Kong Garden on? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that now. I'm questioning myself. <laughs> it's. I think it's got Christine on there as well. Um, oh. Anyway, she's amazing, and um, she. I, uh, there's something about a, fe- a female vocal as well around this time that I absolutely love. Um, uh, uh, and I think it was like a golden era as well for sort of uh, yeah. alternative people, uh, females around yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, with Annie Lennox and stuff as well. Um, it was yeah, kind of Grace the... Jones. Oh, 100%. Oh, Grace Jones. She's balmy. I love her. <laughs> like, yeah. Didn't she hit someone uh, on I mean, a... Television program. Oh yeah, yeah. In, a, in an interview, I think that was in, the, in maybe in the early eighties. Um, that's it's on YouTube actually. I watched it quite recently. It's, it's very entertaining. It's, in fact, it's very entertaining just to go down a Grace Grace Jones rabbit hole in, uh, on YouTube and just watch all the interviews because um, she's she's just um, fascinating and hilarious. Oh yeah, she's definitely got that a uh, look as well, hasn't she? She's got that um, 
Yeah. That vibe. And in fact, I, and now you've got me thinking, oh, maybe I should have had Warm Leather album as one of my top five in, albums. Add, add don't it in. don't get in. me started. Add it in, it's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so my last one is uh, Def Leppard Hysteria. Now, I know that's a, a massively different genre to... Uh, I don't know much about Def Leppard, actually, I have to admit. Do you know, like, so my parents were massively into that 80s rock you know when everyone had like massive back combed hair yeah um and yeah. i was I, I was being dragged to death oh 100 percent uh with, with <laughs> um the uh like neon tiger like headbands and stuff just crazy crazy stuff yeah. um so uh, that album for me it, again it's a nostalgic thing because my parents would listen to it like from start to finish and like I almost sometimes when it comes on, I get like a little bit teary. <laughs> like, it, it, um, it takes me back to this time of like pure uh, love and happiness and stuff in my home. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, I mean, I love them. You should go and listen to it, even if it's not really your genre. What's it? What's the album called again? It's called Hysteria. Like you'll you'll literally know loads of songs off of it, but not realise that you okay. know them. Um, you should, is yeah. this where Minute Taker is going to bring out like an eighties rock album next? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I better start growing my hair. Well, you should. My hair. I always grow my hair <laughs> and then I cut it off, and then I grow it again, and then I cut it off forever and a day. Are you rocking the tash at the moment, or is that gone? Um, no, I'm just beardy at the moment. Um, I do go through tash phases. <laughs> I love a tash. My tash um, game was strong when I was about 14. It's the only part of facial hair that I can really grow properly. So, um... <laughs> yeah, it's always the first bit that comes, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. I used to have one um, of those big Victorian twiddly moustaches <laughs> way back when. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you'll notice on my um, on my logo for the History Emporium, it's a picture of me with a massive tash, like in a... a it's anime, like art work, but it's it's my face with a massive tash, um, and it was mo- <laughs> it was modelled off of when I had the massive tash. So um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. But um, yeah. So I might um, I might bring mine back for, when I do my next album. I might I might bring it back for that as well. Is there something in the works? Is that, yes, is that a yeah, secret? Um... <laughs> No, no. I've, well, I've I've been working on a, a new album for a couple of years. It's it's quite far along, so hopefully it won't be too long. Probably maybe early next year. Exciting. Is it got eighties synth pop vibes, or are we going it is in a full different on direction? 80s. It's yeah, it's full on eighties. It's quite it's quite dark. It's probably a bit darker than Wolf Hours. Do you know what? I think you found your niche. I think it's working. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever well, you've I've done, t- it's working. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I've got. I've also got a couple of um, kind of more piano-based albums that I'm working on, so I might uh, I might leave those for a couple of years, see how it goes. But um, I'm always I'm always working on loads of things. It takes me ages to finish anything. So oh, I'm like that. If I pick up a book, it takes me about twenty years to finish it. Even if I've just got to the last <laughs> chapter, I'm like, no, nope, I'll do that later. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, hopefully your new album will come out soon, and you will finish it. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, let let Wolf Hours have its glory first. <laughs> like, let yeah, that, let that live. Kick, kick the arse out of it a bit more, I think, for another year or so. Ah, hundred percent. I've seen. Um, uh, obviously, I follow you on social media and stuff, but I've seen um, it's been being mentioned here, there, and everywhere for like uh, 
like all across the world. Did Australia somewhere? Some Australian press mentioned it the other day. Um, uh, yeah, I can't in, uh, think D- offhand. DNA, DNA magazine. Yeah, exactly. So people are obviously taking note of it. Yeah, hopefully. So, hopefully. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You prom- prom- promote it. Promote the shiz out of it. Um, not that I think it needs. I, I think once people hear it, they will be like, "Oh yeah, this is sh- amazing." Um, I want to talk about the beauty of having. having Sorry, go on. Online now is. I think you know it, it. It's it's so easy just to discover older things as well. You know, so I think um, it, it, all all of the promotion doesn't have just to be around the release. You know, it, it's very easy uh, to to kind of promote past releases as well and. And uh, yeah, it's just all there for people now on Spotify and things. Just... Now, there was a, there's a historical oh, yeah. link to one of your music videos, which I watched the other day, and I was like, oh, I just feel really, like, I don't know if I feel sad or I feel warmed inside. So yeah. um, the Lead You Home video, which the Tash oh, yeah. game is strong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so who came up with the concept of that? Um, do you want to kind of explain what the concept is to everyone that hasn't seen it? Yeah, well, it's um, it's set between 1918 and 1981, and it, it kind of uh, it kind of explores this um, attraction between two soldiers um, in, in the First World War, um, and then, but one of the soldiers is uh, is killed, and uh, and one of the soldiers lives on, and and it, and um, and he's an old man in 1981, and he's on his deathbed, and he's kind of reliving those those moments he had. Um, but the, the soldier who died, who I play, is um, kind of just watches over him his whole life. You know, he just kind of, um, and then and then when he finally does pass away as an old man, the the other guy, my character is is just waiting to kind of uh, lead him off into the into the neon to lights. lead you home. Um, there you go. Yeah. So it was uh, <laughs> when I was writing the song, I I actually imagined it a kind of similar scenario but i imagined it being like a an older man like kind of going through snowstorms and blizzards and and then this younger man from his past watching over him um but then the director had this idea about um about the the soldier angle so that the two ideas kind of melded together so that's interesting when you were writing it you had a visual in your head of what yeah a, a, vi- yeah, a potential video that's yeah yeah, yeah. i mean There's i sometimes an... sorry go on I was just say it was the same with another song on the album called "The Darkest Summer," which I just when I was making the music, I just kept imagining it being on this um, this kind of eighties beach. Um, so that was that kind of was what what we did for that music video. But yeah, sometimes just sometimes the visuals kind of come like that at the same time with the music, and then other times I just have absolutely no clue what what to do with the music. <laughs> <video>. <laughs> so do you, uh, so you get a director in to come and put your ideas into practice. Or you do it yourself. Yeah, you, you kind of um, 
yeah, you you get someone involved. You get only get well, you get a whole team of people involved. But yeah, it tends to be that between uh, me and the director, we'll kind of you know work out you know what what the concept's going to be, um, and both kind of have input in that sense. So I mean, I wonder. Obviously, that's uh, this is a history podcast, so I'm going to talk about the war now. I wonder how many uh, gentlemen found themselves in that situation where. You're in a period of UK and British history where being homosexual is obviously illegal. Uh, you could be uh, imprisoned for it um, uh, and prior to that, executed for it. Uh, I wonder how many people were in that situation where they lost a loved one, but they could never say anything about it. Oh, I think so, so many. I think, unfortunately, yeah, I think, I think it, must have, it must have been happening all the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love I loved the music video. And I'll tell you what I love about it. I love the gap that's in the middle. So obviously you've got the tune. And then oh, yes, yeah. there's there's the gap where some some more acting and stuff, so, uh, the story sort of develops in the middle and then it comes back to the yeah. tune later on. And uh, again, it's that, it's that gap to make you think. You're like, oh God, like, wow. <laughs> got yeah. me in the feels. I'm not... I can't actually remember why we decided to do that, but yeah, it's kind of after the blast and you get like about a minute or so of just kind of subtle sound design, which was actually done by um, the director's uh, partner, uh, James Loosemore. He, um, he did that sound design section. Where did you get the uniform from? Did you have to hire that from a specialist or did you just find yeah, it in a charity shop it, somewhere? Uh, no, it was hired um, yeah, from a, from a costume shop. I think the director sorted that. And we, we shot it. Um, we, we rented out this um, these kind of... Uh, like trench... They, this guy uh, who's like a, a, a World War I um, enthusiast had, had basically built this trench and he hires it out to different film companies and stuff uh, so we hired that and um and we shot a lot of it at night time so we, we had we had to bring all of these lights and stuff and it was really it was really cool actually so we had all of these lights and and like um you know uh what they called haze, haze machines and things to create mist and yeah it was it was really cool i mean i love the end product i think it's uh doing film and television production at uni uh, sort of seeing a, a project through to the end and actually uh, it conveying what you want it to convey is actually really special, I think. Um, and yeah, it obviously has historical content, so it fits perfectly with my bodged together podcast. This evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I want to talk about you've uh, you mentioned it briefly earlier the um, the darkest summer video. Now that. Uh, mainly because of the car. Whose car is that? <laughs> the, the, um... well, we re- we rented that. Yeah, it's like a, it's I think it's um, like a late eighties or yeah late eighties model. Um, yeah, we just we just hired that. We didn't actually drive it. I don't think we were allowed to drive it. So that's why you just see us getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're banned from driving. I suppose the insurance might be quite high on an older vehicle. 
Maybe. Yeah, but um, I think that was, I was, we really wanted that, you know, just that touch. Think, you know, those kind of things just make a big difference, I think, just to really taking you back to that time. The thing is, and it does, I mean, that uh, you, you, you could easily watch that and be like, oh, yeah, that was, that was made then. It, it, it very much yeah. feels like that. Um, and even, like, the, the, the tone and the, I mean, I don't know what lens or filter was put on that, but it feels slightly grainy as well at points. Yeah, so you've, they, did, you've... they did a good job. I, I, don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of what they did, but, um, yeah, they did a, a good job of kind of giving it that kind of retro feel. Um, and then there was, you know, like, it was colourised afterwards, you know, as well to kind of add, add that element. Mm. Um, but that, that video was actually, it was quite a difficult one to, to get the costumes for, cause I sorted the, the costumes for me and, uh, my love interest. Um, but I think his eighties is so much back in fashion. Mm. It was trying to find things that looked like eighties, but didn't necessarily look like things that were, you know, just, you just walk down the high street and see now. So, so that green was, jacket. <laughs> now I can't remember if you were wearing it or the other chap the was Harrington, wearing it. I've got it's one. It's the other guy. Yeah, I've got yeah. it. <laughs> it's sitting in my wardrobe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I keep seeing it now. Actually, I found uh, I found it in some like a vintage thing online, but I've seen quite a few of them since. I've actually I've actually worn that jacket loads. Um, it's one of my favourite jackets now. Um, it's I, a good I sold jacket. The one, I, I sold the one that I was wearing, which was more of a shoulder shoulder paddy affair. Um, oh, I love but yeah, shoulder I was trying to find. Pads. So I, I found these I found these jeans in a charity shop, which were really ill fitting, and just I just thought, oh, these are kind of good because they kind of look. They just look like jeans that you'd look at and go, oh, no, you wouldn't really wear them now because they just look a bit naff. Um, uh, do so you know, I, that's what I, was, I was just, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that because there's a, there's a shot in there uh, where it's uh, a close-up on the, the jean going on to the trainer and it is just so oh, yeah. of that era. Like, yeah. you, you're trying to be stylish, but the clothes weren't really there yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or they, they yeah. weren't... Uh, uh, yeah, you had that sort of that cut between the trouser and the the shoe, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that because that's one of the things that I clocked when I was watching it. I was like, oh yeah, like, that's definitely something that you would wear, <laughs> like trying to be um, a cool uh, homosexual, <laughs> but, yeah. but maybe and, not. Uh, and so. I got and I and I was carrying the uh, you know the head bag because uh, I used to actually have one of those head bags as my school bag. I love it um, back <laughs> in the day. So I. I found one on Gumtree um, and I was like, oh my God, I've got to have it because it just reminds me so much of that era. will be remembered culturally um i think a lot of it you know it's just so much fun you know it's fun and it's escapism you know because there's so much kind of bad shit going on in the world and you know just the music and the films you know they just so many so much of it just had you know just a real joyfulness in it i think I think synth, synth pop for me is just joyous. It's joyful. I love it. It's it's just, you know, it's it's um, there's just a warmth to it, and it's it's uh, it's a little bit synthetic in places, and it's it's um, it's 
it's just yeah and it's and it's nostalgia and childhood and it's and it's um yeah just it's just it's just kind of ma- magic to me i love it uh, and i think that that's certainly how i think of those times and i think that's why people you know love you hear like you hear 80s music everywhere like you know and, and and there's so many like 80s themed nights and, and even the just general nights at the pub you know you can guarantee you're going to hear like a whole lot of 80s songs because i think people just it, it just relaxes people it just you know it, it just makes them it just gives gives them a good time you know it makes them feel joy yeah i i know i think you've summed that up perfectly and i think uh again with shows like stranger things and uh these big blockbusters now looking back at the 80s and 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 before we we mentioned that they were potentially poking fun at the 1980s uh now i think people are actually realizing that actually it was probably the last of a time prior to this fast world that we live in i think it was the journey to it but we weren't quite there yeah. yet so yeah. the the using the landline and the meeting people at the the nightclub or the bar or it was all very much more face to face and uh people had that shared experience with music in bars clubs at the record store which i think yeah. we've lost Video a little shock. bit now <laughs> yeah i think we've lost that a little bit now um yeah that yeah. shared experience and uh buying an album and listening to it over the weekend when it had been released on the Friday and then talking with all your schoolmates on the Monday about what track you like and the lyrics to this and the lyrics to that and stuff. I just don't think we do that anymore. Um, And also I feel like we should bring the shell suit back. Uh, Well, it did make a bit of a comeback a few years ago, didn't it? I kept seeing like youngsters wearing shell suits, which is just so funny, you know, because, you know, they're just just so naff. A a high-tech shell suit. It just reminds me of... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just remind me of like birds of a feather, like Dorian Green and Sharon, oh, like coming in with these shell suits. <laughs> you know, I saw um, Sister Act at the theatre the other day, and uh, what's oh, her yeah. name who played Dorian was in it? Uh, Leslie Joseph. That's it. Yeah, she was very good. Um, and that oh, was only fantastic. about two weeks ago, so there's a link for you. Um, <laughs> where? Okay, this is. I'm going to give you a chance to promote the shiz out of everything you do and where people <laughs> where people can find you, where they can listen to you, how they can support you. Uh, yeah, go. Okay, well, uh, I'm on I'm on Spotify and, and all of those, you know, Apple Music and all that, just search Minute Taker. If you'd like five free songs, I do this thing where I give away a few songs and people join my mailing list just to kind of introduce them to my music and I tell them a bit about the songs and the videos and things. So if you'd like those, just go to minutetakermusic.com and uh, enter your email address and I'll send you those. And then, if, and then all my records and CDs and things are available for minutetakershop.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. I feel like uh, we no, could probably go on forever about, especially your yeah, albums. We could. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be yeah, here. Once you get me onto the eighties, yeah, I could literally just talk. For days. Maybe that's a new podcast thing. <laughs> minute taker on the eighties. The eighties, yeah. Literally <laughs> minute by minute. <laughs> literally yes. going to steal all of your minutes. Um, but yeah. honestly, it's been a joy to have you on, and it's been uh, it's been great to. Um, revive the podcast after a year's break so um as uh as a as a listener to to minute taker i would 
definitely suggest you go and listen to Wolf Hours uh, and then uh, find any of uh, Minute Taker's work um, because it is just glorious. And there's a song that you did for Ukraine, which I haven't mentioned, oh, which you. is also oh, yes, yes. Um, beautiful. And uh, uh, do you want to just tell us about that quickly? Um, yeah, so I, I did it uh, to raise money for the... Uh, DEC uh, Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal. Um, it raised a couple of thousand uh, through the downloads. Um, I, I basically just kind of set myself the task of writing and producing the song in a couple of weeks and just put it out straight away. I normally labour over things for years, so I was like, and I'm, not, I'm just going to do it. You know, it's, it's. Uh, I need to just get it out there to raise some money. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a slow song, and uh, it's um, yeah, just kind of sums up a lot of my feelings about. The, the current situation but just warm in general and um yeah and what, what's the song called it's called i don't understand uh, brackets uh, song for ukraine after the 